This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to TSP 27. At some point during this podcast, you may think you're listening to a previous episode, almost a sense of deja vu, if you will. But I can confirm this is definitely Total Saints podcast, episode 27, but probably with a lot of the same points that were discussed in episode 14, episode 15, episode 19, episode 23. You get the picture anyway. I'm here to share all of my frustrations and try to bring an element of constructiveness to them as ever is Adam Leach at Adam Leach Sport, chief sports writer at The Daily Echo. Adam, what was colder yesterday, the performance or the temperature? The performance. <laughs> yeah, by a long way. Uh, to be honest with you, it really wasn't that cold. Honestly, it's, uh, <laughs> if there's one thing that the, the recent weather has shown, it's for the majority, other than those who probably had it the worst, are a, are a bunch of babies, basically. Yeah, yeah. Just desperate, just desperate to get a free day off work. I think. And I think that was the main, uh, the main thing. It re- I don't honestly don't think other than. A little bit of it was pretty bad on the roads on Thursday night. Other than that, it was it was fine. And and credit to actually before we go, I was going to raise too this, much but yep, yeah, absolutely. about the match, which is going to be probably a lot of negative stuff. Credit to Saints for uh, for getting the game on and and taking the sensible decision on Friday as well, because I think there was a bit of a everybody was so wrapped up in in the three inches of snow that we got and and how. <laughs> You know how incredibly difficult it was to live in such uh, arctic, um, <laughs> treacherous conditions. That I think there was a lot of pressure on the club just to call the game off, just to be seen to be doing something. Even though I think the majority of people uh, realised that actually, when they looked out the window, if the forecast was correct at eleven o'clock on Saturday morning, it would look like the game would would be on. And not only did Saints get it uh, get it on, but actually they did a good job of clearing around. I was there. A long time before there was a lot of footfall of the fans coming in at St Mary's, and actually, uh, the, you know, they they had cleared it really effectively. So credit to them for that. Absolutely, I was going to raise it at the start of the um, the state game actually, but yeah, just in terms of I saw there was volunteers and stewards, and the groundsman obviously did a fantastic job with the the pitch as well. So I think certainly, as you say, you know, in terms of the club, but also the volunteers and people that actually gave up their time, it was a a fantastic and committed effort by all of them. Yeah, and it's always difficult in these situations, isn't it? Because you you do feel sorry 
for the people who would have liked to have been there who couldn't get there and I'm sure that there were some people who were further afield who who did have worse weather than than we had in the Southampton region um, who couldn't get there and and especially people who were perhaps relying on public transport which you know the second that a snowflake fell it seemed uh, completely buckled under the pressure of of the snow um and and you feel sorry a bit sorry for them but uh, you have to try and get these games on if they can be played and and had it it got cancelled and it gone to a midweek i think there would have been an awful lot more people who probably couldn't have made it then so it's never going to be ideal but i i think that they did uh, completely the right thing yeah, and uh, I've got to say, having moved up from Southampton, uh, obviously I live up in Scotland now, as many people will know. We had 14 inches up here was the uh, the last calculation that I had. We were right in the middle of the red alert that went through here last week. So I was out uh, helping the, the neighbours clear the roads on uh, Friday for about three hours, and I felt fine, actually. And then Saturday I woke up and I was uh, I suddenly realised, Adam, how old I'm getting because I, uh, I, I could barely walk, to be honest with you. My back was in such pain. So, uh, so yeah, I, I think I'm just going to start leaving it to the young'uns going forward, I think. Yeah, that's right. So when they say on the news, do you have a, a vulnerable neighbour that needs checking up on? You can get some youngster to run down the shops and get you some milk or something exactly, like that. Exactly, some milk and baked beans or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So no, perfect. And in terms of the uh, the podcast, obviously, uh, yeah, another weekend, another frustration. How have you gone about motivating yourself for this one, Adam? Exercise regime or something like that? Yeah, but... well, I have exercised. I've been I've been working today, but I, I have also uh, exercised and. And I, we actually exchanged a couple of messages last uh, on Saturday night, didn't we? And I, we did. I said then, I'm so glad we're not doing this podcast now because <laughs> yeah. I, I completely had enough of it. I had to be <laughs> honest, by Saturday night, and I, I couldn't even, I, I'd, I'd stared at the laptop trying to write the, the verdict, the big piece for uh, Monday's Echo, and I, I was just actually this is going to have to wait till Sunday morning because I just yeah. can't get my head around this or compute now. And uh, of course, every time I. You know, I was just sat watching uh, watching the TV, just trying to forget about it for, for a little bit before I went to bed and flicking on social media and just seeing just like piles of these notifications and piles of people, to, you know, banging on about how bad it was. I just thought I just can't handle this for one night. So I um, tried my best to motivate myself um, to especially after last week's ranting from me to try and be as constructive as I possibly can be okay. uh, this week. So I, I will do my utmost. Yeah, yeah, fine, fair, fair enough. We're, we we got quite a lot of uh, very positive feedback. I think everyone liked the new Adam Leach last week, actually. So, uh, so yeah, there was it was good well, to hear. There might so. be a little bit more of it this week. Excellent, I think. excellent. All right, good. Well, we don't want to overdo it, but no, fantastic. So, all right. Well, as as ever, we're going to review this weekend's game um, for what it's worth. We're going to look ahead to Newcastle next Saturday, and in between, we're going to have a bit uh, of a chunter about where we see Saints in terms of now and the end of the season. And uh, I just want to pick Adam's brains on uh, sort of where he thinks the club are in terms of direct that they're giving towards fans at the moment. So this is Total Saints Podcast, episode 27. So in a must-win game, Adam, Saints managed a rather pathetic 0-0 draw with Stoke, leaving them one point and one place at the time of recording above the relegation zone. You called it a need-to-win game. We get to half-time, it's 0-0, and Saints haven't even had a shot on target. So what do you make of that? I uh, well, if we want to relive uh, what, what was being said at half time, I think there were a few words that, from people that I was speaking to that were that were unrepeatable on our podcast because um, I think we were all in a slight state of shock to a certain extent that it was that that bad. Um, in terms of the match itself, uh, as a spectacle, 
it was still a better first half, half than at Burnley. So, <laughs> I mean, grateful for small mercies. Yeah. And we didn't have to drive a very long way to get there to watch it. So, I mean, you know, that was me. That's my positive contribution how did, on the how first did the food, half. How did the food compare there? That's always important. I mean, yesterday's food compared to Burnley. Um, yesterday, I I had the vegetarian option, actually, because I didn't like the look of the, the meat option. It was a leek and potato pie yesterday with right. um, with some veg. So, yeah, not Good. not bad. Very healthy. Good. Uh, anyway, carry yeah, on. Absolutely. Sorry. Um, where do you even start? I mean, it was just so depressing, the first half, really. Um, Stoke were, were just allowed to be so comfortable again. I mean, it's just it's this pattern, again, that we that we've seen of... You know, what did we talk about last week? I was saying, you know, positivity, that's what they need, really. They, they do need uh, that impetus from the start of, of a big, especially a big game like this. And we just didn't get it again. And, and uh, yeah, OK, second half, which I know we'll come on to, obviously they knocked on the door a lot. But had they been able to exert the same level of pressure um, for the majority of the match rather than just a period in the second half, I'm sure they would have won. Because, again, a bit like the Burnley game, it's not as if... They were playing a team that, that themselves looked full of confidence and you know belief and and you know really high quality because Stoke weren't that and another game that slipped by and, and yet another draw. I mean, goodness me, I was I was leaping through the table uh, earlier and you know it just uh, the draws column has really just leaps out at you because you suddenly realise only West Brom have won less games than Saints this season, but you've got to go all the way up to the top eight to find anybody who's lost less games than Saints. Mm. They, they haven't lost that many to be where they are. They haven't won that many to be where they are either, but there's just so many draws. And, and I think that this is perhaps this just a consequence of the way they're playing, this very, very cautious approach. Inevitably, I suppose, will lead to draws, but given what we're now well over a month until they play at home again. They've got a lot of away games coming up now. Uh, I don't realistically think it's anything that's going to change anytime soon either because uh, if you've stuck with it for this long and in games where you might be adventurous, then away from home, there's, there's you know, there's what... I, I don't see I don't see a lot of change coming up, really. I think it's unfair to probably put the, the uh, St Mary's faithful through any uh, any more of that for a month anyway. I think uh, these days <laughs> it, it takes them about a month to recover, the, all of them that made the effort. I mean, that's the other thing as well, and it really bugs me, Adam, is that you know people have travelled for hours and quite you know the state fans as well, to be fair to them, through risky conditions, and then see particularly Saints fans, you know, a pathetic uh, performance like that again. So they've been out to Marbella this week or wherever it was and having a, a nice warm weather camp and then rock up and give 45 minutes like that was just... Uh, Frustrating to say the least. Um, I know the press conference was cancelled, but you obviously did your bit as uh, as you promised you would and had a word with Pellegrino about Josh Sims. He he started. Unfortunately, he didn't listen to you or I about Gabbiadini, but we'll we'll take uh, small mercies, I guess. A um, couple of positives: Josh Sims, and particularly in the second half, Nathan Redmond seemed to at least come back and offer the team, uh, uh, you know, a fair bit of attack intent. Yeah, I I think that's that's very fair. I actually think uh, Nathan Redmond in the second half particularly did did a really good job. Actually, I, I thought he was uh, dangerous. Uh, hard to rate in that overall context that performance. Anybody much above average, if that makes sense. But he was definitely one of the what, whatever leading lights for, there were for Saints. He was definitely one of them, and Josh Sims as well. I think the problem though with Sims. Again, and especially in the first half, they they didn't really. There either was not a, a very good 
well-constructed plan as to how they were going to utilize what he brings to the team or the team didn't execute it at all because really I must admit I, I sat there in the first half and other than one um, break that he had I did think to myself blimey if, it, if it's a bit like whether you think he's got a bit more of an X factor or not if the team can't play to him they would have been better off having James Ward-Prowse in there because as we said last week when we discussed it you could only feel sorry for, for him really because he's had his best spell ever in a, in a Saints shirt um, found himself on the bench and then watched really Saints unable to use Sims until we got into the second half and then he got taken off not you know a part of the way through the second half as well once he started to have more of an influence as well which which I will give Pat Pellegrino a bit of slack Sims hasn't started a game for a very long time that may be a, a sensible fitness move as much as anything I know people were annoyed about it but it might be but you know at least with Prousey he would have got a lot of balls in the box towards Carrillo. And I'm sure we wouldn't have had to sat through the frustration of pretty much all of the 15 corners that were uh, mainly completely wasted by Saints yesterday. I, th- I think if, I, if there was another short corner, I think it was going to burst into tears yesterday. <laughs> I mean, they were not only were a short corner as well, you've got to work those really well. But Saints, they they didn't work them really well. I'm not even sure why they were bothering with them, other than the fact Stoke are a big team. But yeah, I would say they were two positives. I also thought Ryan Bertrand did pretty well. Um, Defence generally was solid. Mm-hmm. Um, Cedric wasn't at his best again, but the defence generally, from a defensive point of view, were pretty solid. So it wasn't as if there were no positives to take from the game, but. It's just got to the stage, really, where you're more concerned about what the result is, especially when you're playing a team around you. And with games fast running out and games uh, that you think realistically Saints have got a chance of winning quickly slipping by, uh, the result was more important than the performance, really. Josh Sims obviously got thrown out in front of the media, as uh, quite often happens when uh, the chips are down. Sort of young players get the uh, the glory of going out to do the interviews. There's a quote from him here that said, "We were all up for it, but maybe early mistakes and pressures stopped us playing how we wanted." Um, obviously, he is a young lad. He's going to come out and talk positively, but I think you know many of the fans just felt the tone straight from the off. And I was watching some of it on Soccer Saturday, and Paul Merson was very much they're going sideways and backwards, sideways and backwards. It's the same story we've heard all season, Adam. And I think. Uh, 30 games or 29 games that we've played now and, and we still talk about learning and growing and all those fantastic words a bit like uh, Claude had his possibilities and, uh, and, and and those sort of things but he talks about mistakes and pressure I mean do, do you think a lot of this is psychological with the players now that they almost feel they're making mistakes and, and they, they, they don't want to take on the opportunities we've discussed maybe before to actually almost be a hero they'd rather take the safe option and play it sideways and backwards and therefore it just takes the pressure off and means that they don't make mistakes it has to be some of it has to be I mean I can't when you listen to Pellegrino talk about the way he wants Saints to play and then you see the reality of how they play it's it's not the same things now he's either not telling the players clearly what he wants which seems hard to believe or they're not able to produce it and we've had this discussion a few times down down the uh down the last six months really as to exactly where you know if you're going to start blaming the the squad and the manager where does the blame lie between players and managers you know this that it's all right to give the manager all the flack all the time but ultimately uh, the players uh, have got to do their bit as well um i think there's certainly 
an element of that and it go it all feeds into the the sort of rant one of my many rants from last uh the previous episode the saints have fallen into this trap that a lot of premier league teams are in in my opinion now they're in this situation especially they're so scared to lose they are really worried about losing games and not losing the fixation with not losing almost becomes as great or greater than any desire to go and take a chance to win um and the braver teams are the teams that take the chance and they are the ones mainly that are having the success recently and they're the ones that are moving away from this and the ones that are very nervous about it are the ones generally that are getting stuck down there and Saints are definitely in that. I spoke about it a lot with the Burnley performance and there was certainly a fairly substantial element of that in the Stoke performance as well. So I think there's, there is definitely a lot of merit in that argument that mm. this is a this is a psychological problem uh, and it's a very difficult barrier to break down. I mean, if, if you've been playing like that all season, really, let's be honest, they were playing like that largely like that last season as well. Yeah. And then we we end up in this debate again that we, we won't rehash, but we've, we've talked about before of how much of last season was down to Claude managing the team that way, how much of it was down to that is just the best way to get the results out of the players they've got in in maybe two managers in a row have come in looked at the same squad of players and have thought you know what this is the only way I'm going to get results so this is the way we have to play in which case again we come back to well who assembled the squad of players but Mm. but you know these are these are very roundabout uh big talking points really but ultimately I I think that there is a, a psychological barrier there but the a positive that we have to take as bonkers as it is they're not playing at home very much now yeah. that's i mean don't get me wrong that's probably a positive for a lot of fans at the moment as well but um for the team that's a huge positive because they clearly are impeded by the pressure and the atmosphere at st mary's now there's no doubt about that uh, whatsoever that's clearly a psychological issue uh, they don't want they don't look like they want to play there they don't look like they want to be there in that spotlight in that atmosphere and they look far more likely to get results when they're away from home. Yeah. Uh, and they've got only three games at home and six away. And that, if anything is going to be their saving grace and keep them up, it's the fact that they've got so many games away from home and they don't have to play much at St Mary's anymore because St Mary's is just a graveyard for them now, I think. Yes, we're in signs. Look, there's a, a, a gentleman, Andrew Davis, who's um, been in touch with the show a few times. Now, I didn't hear... Pellegrino's interview with Adam Blackmore yesterday. I don't think um, Solent Sport actually retweeted it, and I couldn't be asked to watch uh, his uh, manicured interview on the, the the Southampton official channel. To be honest with you, I'm kind of bored of the guy anyway. But uh, look, he said um, Andrew Davis tweeted saying Pellegrino basically just said to Adam Blackmore that he doesn't attack in case the other team have chances. He justified it by saying Stoke had the best two chances when we had two up front. Sums up his negative attitude. You won't win if you don't try to win. And I think that kind of sums up exactly what you said there, Adam. Looking at the um, the Saints home record now that's played 16 won 3 drawn 7 lost 6 scored 16 conceded 21 realistically if if we'd been a bit more positive at home and I don't you know we don't need to dwell on this for ages but 
even if two or three of those draws have become wins and we were suddenly six wins at home, you know, four draws, six lost, you've got, you've got another six, seven points in the bag there and you're almost safe, aren't you? And that is the frustration for a lot of fans, I think, is that there's been so many winnable games that we've just, we've not gone for it. And if we had done, we probably would have reaped the rewards. And I think I go back to my point that I made last week, Adam, which is, you know, Saints fans would much rather see the team lose 2-1 hypothetically by having a go than draw a game nil-nil by just literally doing nothing. Um, the, the, the point that I wanted to, to sort of just ask you about really was we've obviously come in at half time. We've not had a shot on target. Italy, they've obviously had to made a, uh, make a sub with one of their strikers that uh, Wesley made sure he got some uh, good uh, retaliation on after stamping on his foot. But again, the opposition manager still makes the first move. They bring on Peter Crouch at half time and it takes until 65 minutes for Pellegrino to impact the game. And we've spoken about it so many times, which is... He just seems so slow with his substitutions. And we, we played so well again for the last 20, 25 minutes of that game yesterday. Why not do it earlier? Why not do it at half-time? It was clear it wasn't working. And, and I think that's why so many of us are banging our heads against the wall. I don't really have an answer for you, to be <laughs> honest. I don't, I, don't, uh, I, don't, I don't really know what to say to that. I mean, I think at half-time we all felt something drastic had to change for Saints yesterday. And obviously... That didn't really happen, did it? It wasn't until later in the game. Yes, they were a lot more positive uh, right from the off in the second half, but he, he obviously didn't make any substitutions, if that's what we mean. Yeah, I, I mean, in terms of the, the point that Andrew made, um, I haven't heard that interview, and uh, I had the rather demoralising job of having to try and question him myself yesterday, and he didn't make that point to me. Um, so I can't I can't really comment on that per se, but we know his thoughts on playing two up front because he's spoken a lot about the thing about wanting to have a striker on the bench and the and also about uh, how he doesn't think that's necessarily the key to it. The key is how you play and modern teams. Uh, it's all about having men arriving late and things like that. I mean, he's spoken about that an awful lot in the past, and no doubt we'll uh, we'll ask him about it again this week, and and we'll probably hear the same again. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the difficulty is now, like I said, when they've got so many games away from home, now is probably the time for, for them largely to try and play in this sort of more defensive, more compact, counter-attacking style. Now now's the time to stick by your guns. Now would be a, actually would be a crazy time to throw throw all that out the window from the start of games and try and do something totally different. That ship has sailed. The time to have done that, I agree. There's been plenty of home games to have tried all that kind of stuff. Um, but they're now in a position whereby, given the fixtures they've got, what is the point of them them changing to a certain extent? Because a counter-attacking style away from home is probably going to suit them better in many ways. Two, two more points just to, to finally finish on Stoke, because there's not much to talk about, to be honest, rather than just dragging it out um, minute by minute. There's a clip that Solon played of Dave Merrington talking pretty much after the game, I think, when Adam was uh, down interviewing Pellegrino. Have you had a chance to hear it yet? I have heard it, and yeah. I've, I've uh, also heard the unedited version uh, in a very long conversation with Dave myself yesterday. After yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, um, I've not you know, I've got permission to use it, so I'm not going to insert it in the podcast, but I think um, what I'll do is retweet it under the podcast when we post it. But he was obviously making a, a lot of fantastic points, and you know, we all love Big Dave, and I know you spend a lot of time with him in the car occasionally and those sort of things. I mean, he's, you know, for a northerner, one of the most passionate Saints fans probably that's been around and uh, spent many years, obviously, in the club and, uh, and those sort of things. He, he raises so many points that 
fans, and I, and I tweeted about it yesterday, saying literally every fan, wherever we are in the world, can see exactly the same thing that uh, Dave Merrington can see, Adam, which is you know talking about being a bit more attacking, maybe playing two strikers. And he made a good point yesterday, which was almost starting to question now what is happening during the week. I mean, are we working on... What are we working on, sorry? And, uh, you know, I mean, I've heard rumours about the fact that Pellegrino doesn't do debriefs after the game. They just rock up on a Monday, Tuesday and start planning for the, the following game, whether that's true or not. You know, I mean, there's always going to be bits and pieces coming out. But I think the frustration is there's so many people in around St Mary's and Dave's obviously got a lot of experience and, and is, you know, much more of an experienced coach than uh, Pellegrino is. But I think that's just the frustration. And it's probably dwelling on lots of the points that we've raised so so far. But I was just interested to see because you obviously spend a bit of time with Dave and um, I just wondered really what, you know, what your views were on his comments. A few things about Dave. One, he's a wonderful man. He's not only a great, uh, a great football pundit, he's not only the most passionate man, you could find really about about saints and wanting them to do well but he's uh he's just a genuinely nice human being he's a he's a great man and it's been uh it's been a real honor for me to have had 16 seasons and he's been there the whole time and become quite close it's been it's been great he's a top man and he also has a great football brain as well he really does a tremendous football brain i mean he's uh you know his his tactical recognition of of where games are how they're going is um, and what what the options are, how to try and impact it, are uh, really second to none. Um, excellent, really, still so sharp, even though he's not actually been in the game, as it were, coaching for for quite a number of years now. I think in our position with as local media and stuff, we have to try and uh, be fair and be neutral. But also be as positive as we can to Saints and try and try and you know be supportive. Critical friends is how it's generally described, and I think that's our that has to be our role towards the club. And I think that includes trying to give as many chances to people as possible and trying to you know be supportive and not reactionary. I have a feeling that the last couple of weeks uh, has kind of broken everybody a little bit. Mm. It's broken the spirit a bit. I mean. My ranting last week, um, Dave, you know, kind of going off on one a bit this week. Adam Blackmore's got stuck in on Twitter. Yeah, hasn't he? You know, we, we are show, all yeah. quite yeah. Um, supportive people, but I think the last couple of weeks has probably broken all of our spirits a mm. little bit as well. And so, I think that's kind of what's happened. Really, is just it's just that frustration that there's been. We've, there's been reasons, there's been justifications and things like that, and now you just get to this point where it feels really important and you feel like the same mistakes are being made again and again and again. And look, I, I don't know what happens day in, day out at Staplewood. I'm not there every day no, uh, watching, yeah. watching over it. Nobody is. Um, and also, I'd say there's nothing right or wrong about how any individual manager manages a team if there was a an easy textbook everybody would be really great here wouldn't they so everybody brings their own approach uh whether that's the training sessions debriefs or preparation whatever it is everybody's got a different approach and there's no right or wrong way of doing it so i wouldn't ever criticize somebody for that but yeah i think i think dave probably a bit like myself last week on the pod and and in my writing uh, in the echo last week and again in the verdict uh, in monday's echo bit like adam as well is probably even more extreme i think it's just sort of got to the point where it's just kind of 
broken your resolve a little bit really and I, 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 at that point it's like well what else can you do really our job is to be to try and say things as we see it and, and be honest as well as try and be supportive where we can but if you you've got to call a spade a spade at the end of the day and if that's what you see then that's what you have to say and I think that's just what Dave's done really he's called it as he's seen it so ultimately ended 0-0 Pellegrino's he's set another record Adam he's had a few this season now so that's no win in eight consecutive home matches which is a Premier League record for Saints so well done Maurizio another record there um, obviously Buffal missed a glorious chance I saw it this morning and oh, just head in hands moment I mean any, any, any other part of his head in it probably goes in but long and short Adam a bit like Watford I mean how crucial do you think those, those dropped two points yesterday because it was a very winnable game could matter at the end of the season who knows who knows? I mean, this is the thing about it. It's for all for all of this, they're still not in the bottom three as we speak, are they? They're still outside, and they're still head is still above water. Actually, yes, I, we all think it, it looks bleak, but there's probably supporters of at least five or six clubs saying that, and they're not all going to go down, no matter how bad they are. So, you know, Southampton can still stay up. This is the this is the thing. It's no matter how bad it feels. It could still happen. It's going to be tight. We all know it's going to be tight. I would guess now that realistically, when you look at the table now after this weekend, there are five or six teams, that are, two of whom are going to be relegated and the rest are going to stay in the division. Um, Southampton are one of them. Yeah, expensive two points potentially. But the way things are down there, it really doesn't feel like you're going to need that many points to stay up at the moment. So who knows? The the thing is, they are still in it and they are still alive. And in another year, having only won five games, they might not be in it. So they the, they could still somehow get out of this. It is still possible, even if I think there is belief ebbing away from even the most optimistic person that that's going to happen because we keep on seeing the same thing almost on repeat every week. Before we move on then, Adam, I just wanted to ask you uh, uh, your view on a couple of points regarding Saints, really. Just, I guess, my view on things before we uh, preview Newcastle. Um, apart from a few boos at half-time and full-time at St Mary's for the majority of the season, quite a few unhappy social media posts, I guess, myself included, probably in that, and, and fan videos through the likes of Freddie and the guys over at Ugly Inside. Do you think Saints are, uh, are lucky to a certain extent that the fan base is almost seemed accepting of the situation because I, I guess you know they're still getting 30 odd thousand in the door every, every day I mean I know that the attendance was 30,000 yesterday even though there was about one man and his dog there I think but uh, you know just in terms of where they've got to and you know they've obviously sold us the dream a couple of years ago of trying to get into to Champions League and you know now we see ourselves not really investing in the uh, the team and, and all those sort of things the last 18 months so are you surprised that Saints fans have maybe and I'm not certainly not trying to incite anything but haven't maybe been more vocal in their approach? Or do you think they, they there's a sense of resignation and they maybe feel that the board are too stubborn to listen anyway? Oh, difficult question. But um, I think there's probably a couple of elements to this. One is that I think that right now there is a certain resignation. I think that people are, are trying not to get too uh, worked up because... They, you know, football is football, and sometimes if it's if it's your you care passionately, but if it's impacting your life and making you sad, well, it is only a game. Um, that's that is all it is. As much as people care about it, there are bigger things in life and more important things in life than football and football clubs. And 
I think that, that, that it's meant to be a passion, a hobby. It's meant to be a joy to a go. Like podcasting. Yeah. It's meant to be, uh, yeah, a great joy. <laughs> so I think if you're not getting that out of it, then there's probably anger and frustration. But eventually you probably have to lose that because it can't impact your life. You still have to get up and go to work. You still have to be a, a family member, a friend, whatever it is. And, and that is important. And I think that maybe there is some resignation there. I feel that it, going back to a much wider issue, I feel that a lot of Saints fans now probably feel quite disenfranchised from the football club. I think and so. The reason, yeah, and the reason for that is for, for all of the nitty gritty of who is the manager, who's playing at right back or whatever it may be, the wider thing, the point that I've made before that Saints uh, do feel like they've become detached from their community and they have moved from being a community club, uh, whereas there, there are still great things going on. We know about the work of the foundation. And as I said before, the individual people there, a lot of them, especially the people who've been there a while, the people who really know the club, are really what keeps them rooted still in the community. But you feel like everything else is drifting away to far eastern markets, breaking the US for shirt sales, things like that, and moving away from from the community. And when you've I think honestly it's an, an inevitable consequence that you're going to feel more disenfranchised when I come back to this point how many times am I making this point I don't know they've got an owner that we know nothing about we have no idea what their intentions are we don't know where how they funded this deal we don't know what they want going forward all we've got is a vague promise of five pledges which by the way I think were already meant to be out and haven't been out February. yet Ralph said uh, February yep yep so that's good he did. they were on his yep. desk they were. Um, <laughs> there they have remained, it seems. Um, or, you know, perhaps advisably, they've been filed under BIN, yeah. uh, which well, I think is about probably the best place for five meaningless pledges. Maybe pledge one was just give up and that's what they've done. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know, but I think this is, I think you, everything stems from that at the very top for me. And, and if you don't know what this guy's about, his family's about, what they want out of this then that brings worry it brings concern and then the football's not great either then there's this les reed and Ralph kruger truly accountable or not and eventually you just get i guess you just get downtrodden and you just kind of almost throw your arms up in the air and like i say you think well, i can't let this impact my life and i think there's a bit of a bit of that going on i think also some people yeah we we tend to paint all fans with the same brush as if there is the people who are really keen well the people that you hear from the most are the people who shout loudest generally aren't they and yeah. and actually a lot of saints fans aren't like that at all and and they just want to they just want to go and see a good game of football a lot of people are just who go and watch saints and and notionally support saints are not big passionate saints fans that's just saints are just the team they follow that is the vessel from through which they go and watch football locally uh, at a high level and for them, perhaps that you know they take the rough with the smooth a little bit more, perhaps, and they perhaps turn around and say, "Well, look, we've seen six seasons of continuous success, and now, yeah, it's not as good." Well, you, those people are probably the people who are more likely to walk away in the summer. It's the most passionate fans, the ones that care the most, that can just be kicked the most generally because they're the ones that keep coming back and keep on paying their money, no matter how much they say they hate it. So, I think there's quite a lot of things that that feed into this um it's a difficult question because it's quite a, a broad question you feel like there's an awful lot of things but I, I really feel that 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 feeling of being disenfranchised is probably the key behind it as whereas 
I don't think it felt like that. Even when I remember back to, well, we can all remember back to the protests when Rupert Lowe was there and things like that, which aren't really that long ago mm. in the grand scheme of things. We're not seeing that now, are we? We're not. We just that that era perhaps has gone as well in terms of the way the Premier League is. I'm not. I'm not quite sure, but I just think there's that feeling that the club feels a little bit like it's slipped away from the fans and, and the community and that, that perhaps is the reason. No, I think that's a fair point. And thinking about it while you're talking, I mean, maybe it's because it's more of a of a um, digital era as well. You know, people feel that they can voice their, their, their opinions more through Twitter, Facebook, you know, replying to tweets and posts that the club put and in the hope that people will read that rather than standing outside with pitchforks. Yeah, I, I think it's just, you know, as a fan, I mean, I you know, I'm born and bred Southampton. For me, it's um, it's my my passion. I mean, I don't get to watch them every Saturday these days because of where I live, but I follow them like every, you know, lots of people that listen to this podcast do around the world, you know, people that get up at four o'clock in the morning in Australia to watch the game and all those sort of things. So football clubs always change and I think we understand that, but you see good people walking out the door like, you know, the likes of Jim Lucas and then obviously Gareth Rogers, who was a really good guy left and Hugo's obviously just recently left. And you see all of these sort of characters that are really a part of the club, like, like many of the fans. And you sort of think, well, why are they leaving? Are they leaving to further their career or are they leaving because there's more going on that we don't know about? And I, I guess it's just one of the frustrations. And it, it kind of leads me on to my second point, Adam, which is Saints have always been a family club. Yes, they're in the Premier League. We know the Premier League is about money. We know that the goalposts have probably moved in terms of what motivates the football club now. But up-and-coming fans, when, when they've been doing well the last few years... You know, I remember whenever I've been down in Southampton, you're seeing so many young kids around with Saints shirts, whereas it would have been 10, 15 years ago, United or Chelsea and those sort of things. And you think about the young generation. If we keep playing this this tedious football, whatever division it's in, where there's no passion, there's no commitment, there's no entertainment, how are we going to encourage the next generation of fans to come along, you know, for 10, 15, 20 years' time? Because it will only be us that's left. Whoever's there now, on the pitch, off the pitch, none of those people will be here in 10, 15, 20 years but we will, the fans will, so we want to know that that football club is going to be in good hands. So there needs to be a fan base, there needs to be young fans that are being brought up on Saints now that think, look, I want to go and watch that football team, that's my team. And that is the other concern for me, is that it kind of ties in with what you said there, that the club almost don't, they seem more interested in getting business from China than looking after the local fans that are probably going to be the ones putting their, their bums on the seats in the years to come. I don't I don't think there's really a point that I can make to that other than I, I suspect there's going to be an awful lot of fans nodding along with you there and you say 10 or 15 years what episode will be on by then <laughs> I dread to think yeah yeah <laughs> we'll, we'll still be talking about nil-nil draws against Fulham or something like that won't we but uh, no I mean I, I think that's the, the the point and we were talking about it just there before we started recording this bit but you know West Ham are charging um, under 21s 25 quid to go and watch Saints and you sort of look at that and you think of the work that Virgin have done with um, away fans coming to Saints you, you you think about the 20th Plenty campaign I mean we all know about West Ham and uh, their owners and every pound that they can get but again that's something else that maybe Saints can do more to try and help young fans is that if you're a 21 year old paying 25 quid to go and watch Saints is probably alright but if you're a dad trying to take a 7 year old to, to West Ham why should you have to pay 25 quid for a 7 year old to go and watch that and it it's just this this whole frustration around Premier League football at the moment I think and part of me and I, I regret to say this part of me thinks going down to the championship hopefully might you know, mean that we end up with a team of people that actually want to pull the shirt on and put some passion in and it may mean some changes at the top and we can actually get some ambition back and decide what our next five-year plan is going to be. But um, look, I, I think it's just, I was interested to get your view on, because to me, you know, if I was Saints, I'd be quite pleased, I think, that everyone is rather quiet about it.
Right, this morning we asked Saints fans on our Twitter feed to give us their predictions for the next nine games in terms of points, what they thought we'd get. Adam, you, you mentioned it's something, uh, a game in inverted commas that you guys sort of play in the press box. Um, I, I'm imagining you, Dave, Adam, those sorts of people rather than uh, employees of the club and that sort of thing. But um, obviously that's something you sort of talk about. You try and look a, a few games ahead and start to think where the points might come from, whether the club are doing badly or well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just at this point of the season as well, we, we started this actually before the Burnley game. I'm just doing a come on, let's do a win. Well, last week, a win draw. Uh, yeah. So this has been going a whole week, has it? This has been going a whole week. So <laughs> we just, we just did win draw lose. It was just a, right. it was just a bit of fun really to see. Well, let's see how many points we think Saints are gonna are gonna say. Actually, somebody started it basically. I somebody said to me, "Do you think they're gonna stay up?" And I said, "Yes." And they were much much more um, cynical about it. And they said, "How do you think they're gonna stay up?" Basically, and Good I was question. like, "Oh, they're gonna get enough point. Yeah, they'll, they'll, I think they'll be okay." My gut feeling says they'll be okay. And they said, "Right, okay. I tell you what, I'll go through all the games." And then they went through all the games. You know, and I went win, draw, lose counted up how many points and then it was like right so that's how many points are going to get in total do you think that's going to be enough and then and so from there i then asked it to one or two people and it's kind of become this just something to discuss really it's a talking point we have a lot of time together to, yeah. so yeah. on a on long especially coming up on all these trips it was just a a bit of fun really yeah. so uh but you had stoke down I, as a home win didn't you i know that for a I, fact so I you're did. already behind aren't you no i am i had four points from uh <laughs> from burnley and stoke and so that's uh that's already concerning. The good news is I can't really remember the rest of the predictions. So when when we spoke about doing this uh, on the pod, I went through it again this morning, <laughs> and uh, I I don't know whether I've come up with the same number of points as I had before or not. But um, I think it's good. Would you like me to ask you first? Should we go through yours? Do you know, weirdly, I've had all day to think about this, and I'm suddenly panicking now that you're going to ask me, and I've not even analysed it to right. be honest. Okay. Well, I'll ju- you just all say right. on your gut. You got feeling. Okay, this then. is the, yeah, this yeah. Is the cool. game, really. This yeah, is yeah. the essence of the game. Fine. Newcastle away. Lose. Okay. West Ham away. Draw. Arsenal away. Lose. Chelsea at home. Lose. <laughs> Leicester away. Mm, draw. Swansea away. Lose. Bournemouth at home. Draw. Everton away. Lose. Manchester City at home. I think they'll lose at home to Manchester City, Adam. I, I would imagine off the top of my head that that's probably going to mean relegation. Well, I would say you are, that is without doubt, the most pessimistic person to have ever played this game <laughs> because you've only got them getting three points out of the last nine games. Well, we've only won five games out of 29, Adam. I can't see us winning. Uh, <laughs> we've got nine games to go. I mean, crikey. No, I mean, look, I tried... I tried to, but I they've know, drawn a lot, though. They haven't lost them well, that true, many, true, really. Yeah. I mean, so yeah. you've got them finishing on 31 points. I think it's relatively safe to say that will be relegation. Yeah. <laughs> and that, that will be second from bottom relegation yeah. as well. That won't even be close. Well, I, I can't... I, you know, I mean, I, I know people joke and there's quite a few Saints fans that I think listen to the podcast and probably uh, understand where I'm coming from but I, I you know it's games like yesterday I mean if we can't win games like yesterday because we're so tepid in attack I just can't see where we're going to win another game between now and the end of the season but I, I, to be honest I wish you hadn't asked me now yeah well I wish I wouldn't asked as well now <laughs> it's very there, we, depressing. there we go there we go so where, so where did you have them then in terms of obviously we've spoken about Stoke so before we go through some of the fans uh, I always like to pick on you first so that you go first and you can't yeah. uh, change your mind so where where did you have them then well, I, I ha- I'll just run through it really quickly. So yep. I had a draw against Newcastle, yep. a win at West Ham, mm. a defeat against Arsenal, a defeat against Chelsea, 
a draw at Leicester, a draw at Swansea, a win against Bournemouth, and then a defeat against Everton and a defeat against City. Yeah. So that would be nine points I've got them down for between in the last nine games, uh, which would be at about a par because they're 28 points from 29 games. So it would be about the ratio they're picking up points at the moment. And that would obviously have them finish on, what, 37? Mm. And that is going to be touch and go, I would suggest. Yeah. So, I mean, to me, you know, again, I, I, was, I know you're always glass half full, but uh, that sounds like a pretty optimistic set of nine results there. And even then you sort of think we're only going to get 37 points. So I think this all goes back and, you know, we can dwell on it for hours and hours about the fact that uh, I think many Saints fans think we've just wasted six weeks of fixtures where if we could have got a manager in, the bounce effect might have worked, it might not, but you know, there's a high chance that it would have done. But now we find ourselves in a predicament where even changing the manager now, which I know I think we realise isn't going to happen, we haven't got enough games left to really save ourselves anyway. So Total waste of time now. Yeah, exactly. Total waste exactly, of time. Exactly. So there we go. So look, we um, asked fans to um, give their opinions. So we got uh, a lot through, so thanks for that. So we haven't got time or we're not going to necessarily bore you by reading all of them out. But um, I'll go through some of them now just to give you a view on uh, who said what. Peter Zilwood, four points. So he had one more than me. Mark Atkins said seven points, taking us up to 35 points. Touch and go if we survive. Terry Cousins, four if we stick with him. Sack him and bring someone in who will actually attack. And I reckon 12. We're a good side on paper. We need teams to fear us. That would be nice, wouldn't it? Ben Andrews, playing the same tactics we have all season. I am hopeful for a draw at Newcastle and also against West Ham. Apart from that, I'm struggling to see where any more points will come from. We don't have a big shot win in us. You can tell I used to live with Ben Andrews, can't you? So, there we go. Negative Even is uh, negative me. I know, exactly. Yeah, what a lad. Um, Mr Moody, Steve Moe, 73. Five points, top two draws and one win against Bournemouth. So draws against Newcastle and West Ham. Colin Gator, 11 points because we do better away from home this season. So that kind of ties in with what you said, Adam. At J Official 13, six I reckon, but we will lose to the teams around us, aka Newcastle, West Ham, Swansea. So we'll be, and I won't use the word that he's used there, but he said we'll be something anyway. Um, it begins with Coming F and N. Yeah, it begins with <laughs> F and N's and D. Um, Paul Nen with Pellegrino four without ten. Tom said an optimistic eight, and one more will do. Rob Barber, six points, a win at West Ham, three draws, Bournemouth, Newcastle, Everton, relegation beckons. The only positive from all of this will be the sacking of our completely clueless manager. Rob, I have to agree with you there, and uh, it could be an interesting summer ahead, I think, Adam, one way or another, eh? Yeah, well, just to round this up then, the most optimistic I've had is 10 points uh, so far. And Ben takes the biscuit with two points for the least optimistic now. I thought you were going to claim it, but, I mean, yeah. two points is... Uh, and, and in the next two games, wow, it's going to be quite a run in. <laughs> I know. So to finish the podcast, we're going to look ahead to Newcastle's game next week. Saints make the long trip to St. James's Park for a game which I'm also going to actually, Adam, so I'm quite looking forward to that. Although, I'll be honest, I'm more looking forward to a, a sort of train ride down with... Uh, there's five mates of mine that I've uh, got coming down from Edinburgh, so I'm actually, I think, just more looking forward to having a few beers and a social with them than the uh, the football, to be honest. But uh, there we go. It'll be good to uh, to see Saints and um, probably say goodbye to the Premier League for a few years as well. So what a podcast this has been. Um, anyway, how important is it, do you think, Ads, that Saints get something from Newcastle, bearing in mind the Burnley and Stoke results? Well, it's vital, isn't it? I mean... Uh, it really is. Um, the, the, I mean, I, I've written in Monday's Echo that, that that Saints really are now drinking in last chance saloon in terms of their survival bid after the Stoke game. 
and Newcastle is is vital. And it is a game that people may laugh given given form uh, of of late, but it is a game that looks winnable to me because Newcastle are, are, are so unadventurous themselves. I mean, you you draw these parallels. Obviously, Benitez is Pellegrino's uh, sort of managerial idol. He's his mentor. And in a way, the way they're managing their two teams and the, the frustrations you hear from the two sets of fans are fairly similar. I mean, they're, they're both relatively conservative the way they're setting the team up. They're certainly trying to be um, not concede too many goals. Um, they're, they're fairly defensive minded. It doesn't strike you that that makes for a classic game. But I would suggest that Newcastle at home and the pressure they're under will probably be quite nervy. And there's just half a chance that this might all play into Saints' hands. I don't, I don't think they want uh, necessarily, even though the counter-attacking style might help in, against some teams. I, th- I would almost be more worried, given their headspace at the moment, if they were going to get a team that were just going to swarm over them. As well as I don't think they're going to get that with Newcastle. So I still think there's a chance, but the chances are running out now, aren't they? That's, it's pretty obvious to say that, but the chances clearly are running out. Um, Newcastle is a big game and it's the last game as well um, given that they've got the Wigan fixture and the international break in the league for a while so what they really want is a positive result here to kind of give them that feeling that you know what this might just be okay we might just be all right the last thing you want is another um, disappointing uh, result especially if it drags you down into the bottom three and you've got two two three weeks whatever staring at the table and knowing you've got a pretty packed run-in, um, which they're going to have, given they've got at least one rescheduled game to slot mm. into midweek. Should they beat Wigan, which is not a given, but you still fancy them for that, then obviously FA Cup semi-final, that'll put another game into midweek in the last, what will probably be the last month of the season. And suddenly they've got a really packed fixture schedule. They're having to play midweek three times a week, uh, for quite a lot of the games, which is only going to hamper them, in all honesty. So um, you, you feel that the, the time is the time really is now. And Newcastle look like a team who are struggling to me from the outside, and 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 so this is a big chance. You mentioned Rafa Benitez there. He's um, a manager I've always admired. Actually, I think he's he's one of those guys that goes about his job quite quietly and gets on with things. And Newcastle almost mirror Saints a bit, really, in the fact they're in a lowly position. There's questionable owners there's sort of been a, a bit of a lack of investment really potential and unsuccessful takeovers and those sorts of things but how well do you think he's done bearing in mind for them it's their return to the Premier League this season well I think he's done a good job there for, uh, there's a lot of difficult circumstances there um, and there are a lot of difficult circumstances at Saints which is why I go back to the point that I, I realise that Pellegrino is public enemy number one and yeah there's a lot of decisions he's making that 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 a lot of people, myself included, don't agree with, but there's a lot more to it than meets the eye. And I think Benitez obviously has the same situation in Newcastle. The difference with Newcastle is that they are perceived as a much bigger club and they're much more in the spotlight and these things are much more in the public eyes. Whereas for Saints, realistically, it's it's kind of a couple of local media talking about all these things and then nobody else is, is, even discusses it because they're just completely off the radar and so, um, yeah, I think with Benitez, we all know the problems they've got there. And I, I, the difficulty is that he's taken an approach which we, we're almost going to laud him for, which is similar to the approach that um, I think Claude and Maurizio have taken at Saints again, where, as I said earlier in the pod, of 
of looking at the squad and deciding this is the best way to manage them in this style uh, to try and, you know, get results. Now, uh, it's a slightly different kettle of fish for Newcastle because as big a club as they are, I would suggest any team getting back in the Premier League just avoiding relegation is a great start and then you can you yeah. can build from there Saints obviously aren't in that situation because they've been up and they've been established and have done well for a few years but I think overall if Benitez's aim is just to keep them in the league and if, if that means they're not playing the greatest football but it, it does the job because that's what he's got to work with then, then I don't think too many Newcastle fans will be complaining too much if they're going into another Premier League uh, season next year and certainly I don't think a lot of the fingers that are pointed up there are pointed at him. Just finally on Newcastle, um, I guess they've got a few players, Dwight Gale, Matt Ritchie, people like that, that sort of spring to mind. But in terms of danger players, do you kind of see them more as a, a, as a team that work together and actually it's hard to really pick one danger man? You know, there's not necessarily one out-and-out talented superstar that they have. Or, or do you think there's particular players that Saints should be watching? No, I, I very much I very much yeah. feel as a collective uh, for Newcastle. I don't really... There's nobody there. It's not like Stoke coming down this week and you think, oh, blimey, Shakira. You know, the, the, he's he's going to be their big player. He's the one. He's the star man. I don't really look at the Newcastle uh, team and think, well, they're, they're going to have to be really on their metal today with X because I don't, I don't really think they have that kind of outstanding individual. And I suspect that the, uh, the game will be probably more of a war of attrition than a high-quality uh, football match, you would guess. And that would suggest to me that the chances will be pretty thin on the ground for both teams. So it will just be, can anybody produce a piece of magic? Does anybody make a terrible error? Or is there one team that can just, they can get a set piece and they can they can get a goal and they can hang on or something like that? That's Because I, I look at these two teams, when you look at Saints as well, at the moment, we know them a lot better, but... If you were the opposition, if you were Newcastle looking at it, you wouldn't be turning around and going, wow, there's one player here. If we keep him quiet, we're all right. You'd say the same about Saints. Mm. It's a collective, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. And, uh, I mean, we've had quite a good record at Newcastle over the, the Premier League years. Saying that, I remember driving up to Newcastle one Friday night, sleeping in the car in a lay-by uh, overnight, going to the game on Saturday. Jason Dogg got sent off. Scott Marshall scored an OG. We lost 4-0. It was a long way back after that, Alan, to be honest with you. But, uh, I mean, actually, over the Premier League years, we have had decent results up there and particularly since we've got back to the uh, the Premier League a few years ago Saints have obviously sold out their allocation for this game how much does that say and we've spoken about fans a lot but again you know the club in terms of the fan base showing their commitment because many of them yourself included will be 12 14 hour round trip probably up there and back so it says a lot for the fans that they're still very much behind their team yeah well I think it's nice isn't it for I think the reason they sell a lot of tickets for these games is obviously there are a lot of exiled fans aren't there like yourself and Lots of other yep. people that, you know, Lucy Heiner that we know from the uh, friend yep. of the pod and, and people who are up in the in the north of England or maybe even Scotland. And for them, this is a much easier trip than getting down to St Mary's. Um, and it's a good weekend. Newcastle is a good place to go for a weekend as well. I think quite a few fans enjoy flying up and spending a weekend in Newcastle. Yeah, good on socially, them. Good on socially. them. The football's yep. just a good excuse. Yeah, I, I like that idea. The football's just a good excuse to go somewhere else and, and just have a weekend yep. away and stuff. And, and good on them. And... Uh, yeah, I mean, you may as well, because the thing is, uh, if the, I assume the away fans are still in the same place, I mean, you can't see anything. It's like watching from the moon, isn't it, trying to... Yeah, yeah. So, I think it's the last... Yeah, someone said to me, though, it's the last season that they're doing it, because I think, isn't there a new um, regulation coming in that fans, away fans now across Premier League grounds have to be 
nearer to the action or at a certain level or something like oh, that. Oh, well, well, I didn't know that, but um, yeah, because yeah, I mean, it's so far back, it's like watching uh, ants run around on the pitch, <laughs> which yeah. might be just as yeah. well if you haven't got a clue what's going on or who scored, then you might go home happy True. regardless. True, yeah. I remember last time I could pr- practically see my house in Edinburgh. Yeah, it's, it's good for me. It's <laughs> uh, it's a three-hour round trip, so it's uh, it's nice Newcastle for uh, for us northerners, as you say. Um, look, I, I can't be bothered to talk about Saints because... Um, in terms of the team and what you should do and all those sort of things, because we uh, we kind of know he'll make his uh, his mind up as he goes through the week. But let's just shoot on to predictions then, Adam. What do you reckon for the the Newcastle game? One 0 one all, yeah. I've gone for one nil Newcastle. Obviously, as uh, per earlier predictions, I said I thought we'd lose there, so uh, I've gone for one nil Newcastle. I think, as you say, I don't think it'll be a particularly exciting game. I think it'll be quite nervy, but uh, maybe just either a, a wonder goal or a set piece or something like that. So uh, I think uh, as ever. I'd, Take your prediction over mine, Adam. <laughs> yeah, well, I'd, I'd like the four million points as well, so that'd be good. <laughs> time's running out for me. That's the thing. Forget the Saints. The time is running out. We are nine yeah. games left, plus yeah. cup matches, for me to save myself yeah. 80, in this prediction league. 83 million points behind or something like that, isn't it? So, cool. Well, let's see what happens. Um, and um, in terms of you, what, what are you doing? Are you going up on Friday night or are you travelling up on the Saturday? No, we're going up Friday. Yeah. We're going up Friday for this one. We don't tend to go really um, up on uh, overnight often at all, <laughs> if ever. But uh, this is just a little bit too far um, for us to do in a day, given obviously there's uh, six hours of fairly intensive work to do. It's just a bit too much um, to share the drive in between two of us. So we are going up Friday and then we'll be um, heading back down the motorways after the game once we finish work, basically. Thanks for listening to Total Saints Podcast. It is becoming harder to try and polish the proverbial you-know-what, but we'll keep trying our best. Don't forget you can follow us on Twitter and or Facebook as well. Total Saints Pod is what you need to search for. Just briefly, I know you got linked with Saints quite a few times. 31 years old, certainly no age. I just wanted to quickly say rest in peace to uh, David Astoria as well. Very sad news that came out uh, today from uh, Italy. Adam, as ever, appreciate your time. Have a safe trip up next week to Newcastle. It's been a tough weekend for Saints fans, but please, let's stick together. As I said earlier, in 10, 20, 30 years' time, it's only going to be us that are here and keep marching in. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. This is Roundabout Season 2, and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas, you will be timed. (laughs) (laughs) You will be right. Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have like, you know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. (laughs) This was like wilderness. A lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, you you were different. Like, you were real different, bro. I can't really put my finger on it. And so much more. Just goes to show that unexpected things sometimes are the best when it comes to a road trip. Roundabout Season 2, presented by Nissan, is live now with new episodes rolling out every Thursday. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered 
by fans.